You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, your pal, and the Katie Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, of course, there's a little bit of news to talk about. And then afterwards, I'm kind of continuing my rounds of the Vikings beat, I guess. Arif Hassan is coming on the show. He's going to talk about some of the analysis that he's done, specifically with the Vikings and uh, their athletic thresholds. And we're talking a little bit about Daniel Hunt as well and his trade value. So uh, we're going to chat about all of that. I'm sure you are all uh, very interested to hear some Daniil Hunter discussion. But first, we have to talk about the actual news that has happened because the Vikings uh, made a move here. They released kicker Dan Bailey. So we are back in the kicker uh, pits again i guess they do have one kicker under contract still they could technically do nothing at the kicker position and their kicker would be greg joseph who uh played a couple games i think in tampa he's been around practice squads and stuff he's kind of one of those you know random whoever's that most kickers are and they could just go with that random whoever which actually i think i would prefer over spending anything more at the position they're now taking i think like a two and a half million or close to that dead cap hit they save about one and a half million uh 1.7 million Net, they save less than that because obviously uh, with Dan Bailey gone, a player goes over the top 51 threshold and that player makes like $600,000 or something. So some of those savings aren't actually really savings, Uh, but really they so they clear a, a little over a million in cap net. To uh, get rid of Dan Bailey, I'm sure that'll help with some other contract or whatever, but we're back into this do the Vikings have a kicker question thing that we haven't really ever been able to get out of since the Clinton administration. So I guess we're just kind of back in in that the the lower circles of hell with with kickers. I'm really sick of having to cover kickers uh, and I'm really sick of the Vikings bungling this. But the Dan Bailey experience for the Vikings was pretty disastrous. Now, he was a good kicker for a lot of stretches, and his performance in and of itself wasn't awful. I would say it was okay, which I think for a kicker is good enough. In 2018, he was middle of the pack. He was 16th in field goal percentage. In 2019, he was 4th in field goal percentage, and then he was basically at the bottom of the league last year with all of the disasters that happened down the, the stretch, which is what leads to his release. That isn't really my issue here. And I think the process of going and finding an established good kicker coming off of one bad year and kind of betting on the regression is good process. I I think that that's a fine way to go try and find a kicker. Um, And it, of course, you know, wasn't too expensive until they extended him again and made it expensive. And I think I'm a little bit less bullish on that move because you're not buying low. But my problem is really just the whole of special teams the last three years has been an utter catastrophe, because while we have had some stability at the kicker position for the last three years, we've gone through three long snappers, four punters, two special teams coaches. They've spent three draft picks on specialists. One of them did not make the team. That was Corey Vedvik. One of them was only on the team for two weeks. That was Daniel Carlson, and now he's thriving with the Raiders. And the other one was Austin Cutting, who made it for a year and a half. So I am deeply concerned that they're going to spend another draft pick on a kicker. And and I 
don't know. I mean, it really depends on on where Ryan Ficken lands on all this. But Mike Prefer would have done it. He did it on Blair Walsh and on J- Jeff Locke when he was the special teams coordinator. And you, you have to assume he advocated for doing that. Um, you know, they did it. He was in charge when they drafted Dan Carlson. If Ryan Ficken is philosophically a Mike Prefer, you know, understudy, which is what he was for most of his time in Minnesota. And if he isn't, he's a Marwan Malouf understudy, which is even worse. But if he's a Mike Prefer understudy, I actually super buy that the Vikings would take a specialist in the draft. And I desperately don't want them to. Now, it's been a while since I've talked about my don't draft kickers thing because we haven't had to talk about it, right? I don't even know if we've talked about it since I've taken over as the host of this show back in 2018. But I guess here's the deal. Kicking is really random. And that's not to say that there aren't every once in a while Justin Tuckers that have these really big, you know, Adam Vinatieri's who have these really long stretches of really, really good play, right? And those players can kind of live off of that play for a while. But to me, kicking is very much like golf. And I've talked to a couple of kicking experts in the past, and this sentiment didn't seem to turn them off too much. So I I think it's a good place to put your head at. And if you're a golfer, you know that you're streaky, right? Sometimes you will go out and and think about a a, a round of golf. Uh, Let's say you're you shoot in the 80s, right? You're an 80s-ish golfer, a 20-some handicap. That's 80 strokes, right? For a kicker, that's two seasons. So imagine one round of golf, how up and down you get, and by the end of it, you know, you can have a good round, you can have a bad round. Imagine a bad round of golf and how little it affects your overall, you know, season if you're averaging out your scores, if you're really paying attention to it. You know, if you go on a golf trip and you golf every day for a week and you have one bad round, that's one-seventh of your entire golf. That's not going to uh, really be a great indicator of how well you golfed. With kicking, you have one bad round's worth of golf. You have 80 kicks and you do bad over those kicks. Your career is shot. And so it creates this dynamic where really the hot hand is it and the cold hand might never kick again. And you really have to play against regression a lot. That's why I say, you know, go get somebody who's on a slump right now because chances are, probabilities at least are, that that player is going to come back, that they've been able to fix whatever was wrong in their mechanics or maybe they were just in their head and they're out of it now, fresh start, all that stuff, and they can come back. This is what the 49ers got with Robbie Gould, right? This is what the Vikings looked like they had gotten with Dan Bailey for the first couple years where he had an okay year and then an excellent year. And then things fell apart this year. And you know what? Somebody's going to get Dan Bailey coming off this slump again and it's going to be good value you for them. When you're drafting a kicker, you're spending capital for one that you don't need to spend. You can get an undrafted free agent rando and it's probably going to be just as good because kicking is very random. And even the difference between like a good kicker and a bad kicker is like six kicks. And like, what's the actual value here? And and what other value would that those resources have given you if you moved on? If it's a seventh round pick, it's easy not to care. But I think principally, I still just think like, don't go for the kicker who just had the year of his life because he's not going to be that good next time. That's just the way kicking goes. He's going to regress. It's not like wide receivers or or you know quarterbacks or defensive ends where they show you what you, they can do in college and then it translates to the pros and they're about as good you know at playing football as they show you they are. Kicking is way too volatile a thing and it's way too small sample a thing. You have two bad kicks in a row and it looks like you are ruined and it takes eight bad eight good kicks to kind of get your head back out of that. That's why I say don't draft a kicker because you're buying high on somebody who will almost certainly regress just on the nature of kicking. It's not a slight against that player, not a slight against Dan Carlson at Auburn or Zane Gonzalez at, I forget what what school he was at or whoever the flavor of the month kicker is this year. It's bad process to draft kickers. It's bad process to spend a lot on kickers. The only way bad kicking will hurt you is if it is a true, utter meltdown. And the two meltdowns we have seen were a kicker on an expensive contract for kickers in Dan Bailey last year and a kicker the Vikings drafted in his second game of his career in Dan Carlson. 
I don't think spending on a kicker guarantees that you have good kicking. And even if you don't have good kicking, that game probably came down to something else. Speaking of golf, if you are the kind of person that likes to bet on golf, the Players' Championship is coming up, and uh, the betonline.ag odds are out. I think the favorite is Dustin Johnson, Royal Rory McIlroy right behind it. But if you pick the uh, winner of the, the Players' Championship correctly, even if you pick the favorite in Dustin Johnson, he's plus 1,000. So if you think you know who's going to win the Players' Championship, head on over to Bet Online, place a wager, see if you can't cash in. Bet Online is your one-stop shop for all the sports betting you want to take part in. If you want to bet on reality shows, uh, TV awards, or any sport out there, NFL futures, NBA, MLB, whatever, whatever gets your goat. Head on over to betonline.ag. You can sign up for free on your mobile or on desktop. And when you make your first deposit to actually start grambling, you can enter promo code Locked On for a free 50% welcome bonus. That means for every $100 in your first deposit, you will get an extra $50 to play with. That BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We'll get you caught up on the Vikings here every day on Locked on Vikings, but if you're looking to keep up with everything else in the world of sports, head on over to Locked on today. Under 20 minutes every morning, Peter Bukowski will fill you in on everything going on around all of the major sports leagues. You can find that wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And for this show, now we're going to turn to the interview with Arif Hassan. We, primarily, we talked about Daniil Hunter and his Athletic Thresholds project. A really, really interesting conversation. Really excited to share it with you. So uh, here it is. All right, everybody. I'm here with Arif Hassan of The Athletic. Coming to talk about some draft stuff, some uh, Vikings tendencies, I guess, whatever else comes up. Arif, thank you so much for uh, hanging out. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my phone just made a ton of noise. I guess you didn't pick up on that, so don't worry about it. Uh, nope, didn't hear it, and I can edit it out anyways. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing doing pretty well with all of the, the news that's starting to, to file in. We just found out about the, the Dan Bailey cut uh, as of this recording, so I guess I'm going to rant about kickers some. Um, you want to spend a but, fifth round pick on one? Absolutely. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, no, you're well known for wanting that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's talk first about the a, a recently published piece, uh, the Daniil Hunter trade value piece and the central question of it. What do you get for Daniil Hunter in a or in a in a contract extension? What do you get in a trade? So how did you come to to where you came in that one? Uh, well, mostly I just asked somebody else that helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I talked to I talked to Brad. Uh, Spielberg over at Pro Football Focus, who also uh, does work with uh, Over the Cap, obviously. He's kind of ensconced in this sort of stuff. He's a big fan of Daniel Hunter, so he might have inflated the value a little bit, but I think the Vikings would as well. So uh, I'm not too shocked. And then um, in my head going into it, when I asked him, I, I just kind of figured that from a trade perspective, it would probably mirror something along the lines of um, a Cleo Mack trade because I don't actually see a significant difference. Uh, just in terms of trade value between the two. Obviously, Mac is worth a little bit more. I think he'd already won um, a defensive player of the year and had already gotten two All-Pros by then, but Daniel Hunter already has two All-Pros. So um, I wouldn't say that they were too far apart, and that's two firsts with a second coming back. Uh, and I figured that that was probably going to be close. And then he brought that up himself, of course, because he's very good at his job. He also brought up the Frank Clark trade. Um, and then from a salary perspective, he brought up a bunch of deals. I was thinking about... Um, the Miles Garrett deal. He also brought up the Joey Bosa deal, um, and you know there are a couple of other pass rusher deals. And these are all guys that are all a little bit older 
um, than, than to Neil Hunter. So I think it's fair to kind of compare them. Um, and I think Hunter is kind of right in that conversation, kind of projecting him going forward. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that, you know, he was the fastest um, from an age perspective to get to 50 sacks is something his agent is going to be pounding in negotiations. So um, it was actually fairly easy to, to come to the value of about 25 a year. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit lower. I would be surprised if it was a little bit higher. Um, but that's just, you know, in new money, average value. Um, how much he actually gets paid out in the first couple of years. We'll see. I think the Vikings will want to be careful just because of the injury. Yeah, that's the thing that like complicates everything because it's easy to say, okay, yeah, about the same age and, you know, maybe one or two fewer accolades than Khalil Mack or about younger and sure, like that'll come out to about a wash. But then how much does the risk factor of the injury actually play into it? And that's what's like really hard for me to figure out is like a neck injury. What are the odds of a neck injury just derailing things entirely versus what we know Daniel Hunter to be? And like, what's the difference between that? And then the probability of that actually like coming and manifesting itself. How does that affect it? And then how do you quantify all that in the language of like draft picks? Right. And then the other side of that, of course, is, um, you know, the way that that Dak Prescott, you know, obviously missed most of the year because of an injury um, was able to actually probably leverage the fact that he was injured um, into sure. into something meaningful. Right. And so that's kind of the flip side of it. We saw how bad the pass rush was without Daniel Hunter. And I think, you know, an, an agent wouldn't necessarily counter, but would say, you know, along the same lines you know, that pass rush was fairly awful without Hunter. And then you and I know that, you know, Anthony Barr also plays a little bit of a role in that just because <laughs> yeah. of the, the, the role that, that Barr plays. But, you know, obviously Hunter's unique talent um, was really significant in terms of the fact that the Vikings weren't able to get pressure. I think by sport radar, they had the fourth lowest pressure rate on dropbacks this year. Um, and so that obviously yeah. um, is part of the injury conversation. It's like, well, he was injured, but guess what happened when he was gone? Right. Um, so that plays right. a part of it and that inflates his value because we were able to get an A B test, which you don't always get with with people uh clamoring for an extension. Um, but you know, obviously in terms of draft picks, that's a concern. This is not an injury we have a ton of precedent for. Um, but I think when it comes to players that you think have potential for for hitting Hall of Fame level marks, which I think it's fair to say Daniel Hunter was on that trajectory. For sure. Right. Um I think that, you know, injuries tend to play a bit less of a role in the modern NFL. Um, I mean, the fact that Todd Gurley got drafted 10th overall after an ACL injury um, without even being able to prove that he could play at an NFL level, much less somebody like Daniel Hunter, who has proven he can play at the NFL level. And, you know, I think it's five years ago. That was a lot scarier than it is now. Right. Yeah. Even then. And uh, and and at that point, we had already had the Adrian Peterson precedent. And now we've got more and more precedents, you know, because, you know, at the time, you know, Adrian Peterson surgeon was like, yeah, I've never seen this in my life. This dude's wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but now, you know, ACL injuries are, are, are a little bit different. But I think just kind of it seems like injuries in general. I mean, um, even before the, the, the Peterson recovery. Um, you had Peyton Manning going to to the Broncos after a neck injury, different neck injury, and you know maybe aided by uh, mm-hmm. by by materials that might be considered off book. Who knows? But uh, you know it's not it's not like he wasn't a, a sought after free agent. It's not like he wasn't um, uh, you know you didn't get you know a pretty penny in free agents or anything like that. So um, it, it certainly is a concern. But I think you know the way that it applies to to talented players, as you kind of go up the talent scale, the less it seems to matter, at least from a nonlinear perspective, right? So uh, it seems like sure. the talent kind of overwhelms the injury risk. Whereas if you're an average yeah. player, that injury 
um, plays about as much a role in the contract negotiations as your actual talent level. If you're an above average player, it seems to scale a little bit less. But if you're a really talented player, it seems to not matter at all because teams have like a FOMO about missing out on just a, a truly um, potentially franchise tra- uh, changing prospect. So, yeah, the injury certainly matters. Um, but I think that um, the Vikings are more loath to kind of miss out on the kind of production that Hunter can provide, or at least the kind of return that he can provide. Um, than than they are to accidentally commit to somebody who's super injured. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, if you have that kind of that that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, that is Daniel Hunter. You'll you're willing to take a, a few more risks because hey, if this works out, you know we we look incredible about it. And if that means we have to put a little bit more up, then so be it. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the uh, draft or some of the Vikings roster needs and some of their tendencies in terms of filling those needs. So if everybody sticks around, we will be back in just a sec. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about Built Bar Madness. It is the tournament to find the best flavor of Built Bar. This was sort of created in the Locked On NFL DM chain where we were all arguing over what the best flavor was. And then I guess someone told Built Bar that we were arguing about it and they were like, let's make a tournament out of it. So now we're doing this. So the matchups for uh, today, Wednesday, are German chocolate versus salted caramel. I'm not a huge salted caramel guy, so I have a horse in that race for sure. Uh, and Mocha Love versus white chocolate birthday cake. I don't know how you could say no to a white chocolate birthday cake, to be honest. Uh, if you want to vote on that, if you agree or disagree with me, head over to BuiltBar.com or Built underscore Bar at Built underscore Bar on Twitter, and you can go get involved there. Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the planet, covered in 100% chocolate, low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein even keto friendly you know the drill head on over to builtbar.com and we still have a promo code locked on 20 locked on 20 uh at, at checkout you get 20 percent off of your first order that's locked on 20 all one word at checkout at builtbar.com so we're about to talk to Arif about his combine thresholds project and uh, some of the combine threshold, the athletic thresholds the Vikings have and why they're important and stuff. If you want a little bit more uh, draft talk than that, if that doesn't scratch your itch, after this show, head over to the Locked On NFL podcast on Wednesdays. They have a Locked On draft expert come on and talk all the prospects you want. They'll do mock drafts. They talk about uh possible team directions and all that. And even sometimes they talk about the rookies this year, Justin Jefferson and stuff. So head on over to Locked On NFL with Tony and James and an expert from the Locked On Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we're back here with Arif Hassan talking about, uh, I I guess, some broader Viking stuff now. Uh, For the last few years, you've been doing some work on the Vikings, like athletic thresholds that are what they value in the draft, and I think to some degree free agency too, and extensions and all that, Um, what they think is like a proper athlete for certain positions. Can you just explain that project if people aren't familiar? Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of people want to say that, you know, these workouts don't matter, it's what you do on the field that matters. Uh, and obviously, to in, in the final degree, that's true. Um, but in terms of like kind of projecting, especially a prospect into a, a new system, uh, teams like to have a, um, you know, some sort of performance in a vacuum kind of setup where, you know, the scheme that you're running in college is not going to be the scheme that you're running in the NFL. And so, um, you know, the ways that they put you in space or the ways that they line you up or the advantages that you get when you've got a running start, et cetera, you know, all of those things are kind of stripped away with the context of, um, of just being able to see how fast you run, how far you jump, et cetera. And every NFL team does this. I think that a lot of, a lot of people are under this misconception that, you know, teams don't pay attention to the workout metrics or, you know, there's a bunch 
of articles that come out that say, you know, when there is a combine that, hey, the most important thing at the combine are actually the medicals or the most important thing at the combine mm-hmm. are the interviews. And that actually is probably true that those two things take priority. Um, but that doesn't mean that the athletic testing is unimportant. Every team has some sort of threshold. And these are, um, I, I never want to use the word objective because I think that that's um, a bit of a problem, but these are as close as you can get to, you know, something objective about being able to compare players across um, situations, especially when you get to comparing SEC to ACC to Big Ten, and especially when you get to FBS to FCS or something like that, right, where you can now account for um, their strength in a vacuum versus, you know, I have no idea if, um, you know, if, uh, if you know, Tulsa has a, has a good enough offensive lineman to really test, you know, this defensive tackle prospect or something along those lines, right? Uh, and, and, and this gives you a little bit of a better context. And, you know, the Vikings have done this really aggressively since uh, Zimmer's arrived and probably before then, but I've taken a look at it um, since Zimmer arrived. And sometimes, you know, they, they want to take a look at players that fill a particular need, in which case your history of testing is not going to be that important because they're looking specifically, let's say, for a fast wide receiver to stretch the defense, in which case their historical precedents don't really matter at wide receiver. Um, or, you know, uh, you know, let's say you're running cover three in a Pete Carroll system. Pete Carroll was specifically looking for corners that had a lot of reach, wingspan, and a little bit of verticality, care a little bit less about speed. Uh, and so um, we saw a bunch of 62 corners with 32 inch arms get drafted in the Pete Carroll scheme. And then as those corners became successful, we saw that kind of proliferate throughout the league and they lost kind of their advantage there. But um, some schemes d- just require different frameworks or different approaches. Uh, and so uh, the Vikings, um, regardless sometimes of the scheme they use and sometimes specifically because of the scheme they use, um, they'll prefer some kind of body types or athleticism types to others. So, for example, it was not a surprise to anybody that they really care about, you know, uh, relatively quick offensive linemen for the wide zone scheme, right. because that is a requirement. Get to the second level and all that. You know? Right, exactly. And so if there's a trade-off between strength and speed, they'll err on the side of speed. It's not that they'll, you know, give up on strength or anything like that. But right. sometimes there isn't a trade-off. There are players that Right, sometimes, both. yeah. If you, sometimes you get a Tristan worse, right? Sometimes you can right. just be like, yeah, I want that guy. That guy's the best guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> good at all this stuff. There's no ambiguity. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and sometimes the cutoffs don't matter. Like I imagine, um, was that I think, uh, I think Jerry Judy didn't meet, um, one of the cutoffs for, for the Vikings at wide receiver. If he fell to the Vikings, I'm sure they would have just grabbed him. Right. So like right. sometimes it, it doesn't matter. It's really just a way of, um, adding priorities to your board. They might change the grade on a player a little bit more severely than another team might, in which case it look, it might look like through the draft. They're eliminating these players. But in fact, it just means they valued this prospect less than everybody else did. Uh, and so that guy just went earlier than we could pick them. Uh, and so it's not as if they're eliminating these players. They might just be kind of downgrading them a little bit relative to the rest of the NFL, which through the filtering process of the draft means that those players end up getting selected. And so these are really you know good guidelines to look at. If you, if you look at my estimated guidelines for what the Vikings would look at last year um, when I published the article, um, it reduced the universe of draftable players from about 350, 300 to about 120, 130. Um, so that's that's really dramatic. It's, you you, yeah. you turn it to about a 35% winnowing down period for the pool. And if you'd only use that to guess the, the Vikings players, um, if I was wrong, if it was completely random, only about four of the 13 picks. So Troy Dye didn't do workouts, so I can't count him. And Nate Stanley is a quarterback, yeah. so they don't really have athletic cutoffs. So uh, of the 13 draft picks that count, um, if, if it was completely random and I had, I had winnowed it down randomly and and not done it, only, you'd only expect to see about four of the 13 picks meet the threshold. Instead, right. 10 of them did. 
okay, and so it's very yeah, so... clear that these thresholds are, are predictive. The one I got wrong was the one I tweaked the most, actually, which was cornerbacks. I was like, oh, actually, hey, the Vikings seem to value three cone a lot more on cornerbacks than they used to because they used to not mm-hmm. care about it at all, like about Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes. Um, just absolutely did not meet those thresholds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't care about it at all. The new cornerbacks that they had acquired since then seemed to meet the three-cone threshold. Turns out Jeff Gladney and Harrison Hand didn't. So those are the ones yeah. that I end up going back and missing on. Um, and those are the ones that I changed the most dramatically. So I'm not a little bit surprised. But And Josh Metellus. So there's three defensive backs that I missed out on. And safety was the one I was least confident in anyway. So I'm pretty comfortable with all of that. Yeah, and that's part of it. And not unlike the consensus big board, which is another big uh, project for this time of year that you do, um, it, it seems like something that kind of evolves year over year that, you know, you kind of figure out, okay, we tweaked that, that missed a couple times and maybe the threshold is here instead. And as this project goes on, it will probably become more and more predictive as you get more information to like work with. Yeah. And the biggest issue is the, in, in 2015 or after the 2015 season, um, the Vikings brought in a data consultant, um, a data scientist from some university to help kind of rework some of the stuff they did in the analytics department, and it changed all their thresholds. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all of the work I did just kind of went down the drain, and I got uh, the 2016 draft just way wrong. I was like, oh, my well, God. Well, so did the Vikings. Well, yeah, this is true, too. So, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they should have just kept on. But, yeah. uh, you know, the 2015 draft, I, like, nailed. I felt really good about it. I was like, you know, I, I reduced the the player pool to about 35% again. And um, it was like eight of nine or something like that. I think we picked, like, nine people in that draft. Um, some, something along those lines. Like an 89, 90% hit rate. I was, like, really confident. I felt really good about it. Um, and, and then I just, like, whiffed on the 2016 draft, and I felt pretty bad about it. Um, a couple of years later, I ended up talking to somebody who's familiar with the Vikings analytics stuff. And he said, yeah, they read your piece and they changed what they were doing. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. Me. <laughs> um, and it wasn't because they read my piece. It was like the two things probably just occurred at the same time. They brought in a new <laughs> analytics guy. And, but like, man, so like sometimes teams will just kind of change their approach. Um, if the Vikings, uh, end up parting ways with Zimmer or Spielman. Um, because I know that the Frazier era was significantly different in terms of the types of players right. they acquired or the draft strategy. Well, how much um, changes like George Payton? How much does he take away? You right. know, what was he a proponent yeah. of that nobody else was a proponent of in the room? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's going to change every year and it's going to change really dramatically if the Vikings kind of move on from their general manager and, and head coach. And I'll be starting from zero again. And that's just kind of how this business works. Right. Yeah. And you're always kind of in some part of, of that cycle. Right. Uh, so I guess... Our, with the athletic thresholds, you have something coming out soon. So uh, before we, we hang up here, why don't you let people know where they will be able to find it? Yeah, you can so you can find it at uh, theathletic.com uh, slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. If you click on my articles and subscribe, I get a little bit of extra credit for it. So oh, I'll uh, put that link in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, just click on any of my articles and do it. Uh, I'll, I'll get <laughs> I'll get credit. Um, but yeah, those those will be over at The Athletic. Um, Sneak peek, the broad jump seems to matter a ton based off of the most recent data. So uh, pay attention Just to in guys general or for, for linemen? Uh, like in general. Like, like everything, uh, okay. Yeah, like cornerback, mm-hmm. wide receiver, just like, just do it. Just broad, just jump real far. <laughs> it's so interesting because <laughs> it just doesn't seem like, like, and it, it's a, a good simulator for like power, for like lower body strength and all that stuff, but it just feels like it's such a weird simulation. Like, I guess the the Cynthia Freeland thing and the Daniel Jeremiah, I think, also had a take like this that like some of their on-field uh, tracking data might be superseding some of the like 40-yard dash data where you're like, well, I know how 
fast he runs out of blocks, and I know how fast he runs on an actual football field with a chip in his shoulder pad, and the latter is more important. Um, and I wonder if there would eventually become something like that for uh you know for like blocking power or pass rushing power you know how much dis ground did you give up or something like that if you could yeah, find displacement a way to use- yeah I, th- I think that's yeah. going to end up mattering a lot um i think th- i think there's always going to be kind of room for these workouts as like arbitrary and made up as they are um you know because if you take a look at kind of what the original uh justification was for the 40 i think it was paul brown who was like well that's how far you have to run down a punt uh <laughs> and it's like oh <laughs> all right that's the reason okay um, but I think there's always going to be a place for it because, um, the, all those on field contextual factors obviously matter a lot because you want a player to play football. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want them to run well. Um, it, but all of those occur in a context that's going to be different than the context of the NFL, whether it's the fact that you don't face press very often as a wide receiver, or it's the fact that you're playing cover three, but they're evaluating you in a cover one or what have you. And so, um, removing all of the extra, I guess, cruft, uh, if you will, um, is always going to have some level of value. I think that's probably going to end up becoming more important, all of these on-field metrics that they'll be able to use. Um, but they're going to face situations where the stuff they're going to be asked to do in the NFL is going to be a little bit different, or especially if you're doing a position switch, like let's say you've got an Anthony Barr in the draft and you're like, I think he can be a good off-ball linebacker, um, but you know, we've only got him as an edge rusher. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, that that chip data is not going to be that useful. And so there's yeah. always going to be room for for that sort of stuff. Yeah. And in, at the combine, you have so much historical data. You have the whole history mm, of the NFL yeah. to compare everybody to. And everything is very, you know, the same. And it's all like very uh, cookie cutter. So, you know, exactly how they compare to this guy and that guy. So I will put your uh, your author page in the show notes or we can go <laughs> subscribe to that. Subscribe to The Athletic. You get Arif stuff. You get Chad Graff and John Krasinski. Um, it, people who write for the other Minnesota sports. If you're into that, um, uh, go <laughs> check it out. Arif, thank you so much for hanging out, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So there's a couple things that I want to make sure I get to before the end of the week. I'm kind of running out of time here. Uh, I want to talk about the safeties because safety is a huge need. Um, and I want to talk about like all the free agent safeties. And I want to talk about, uh, the idea of incentive contracts. I see a lot of times, you know, somebody says, oh, I'll sign this person to like an incentive laden contract. And I've even pitched that as well. You know, give Anthony Harris a deal that's kind of a prove it or Malik Hooker. I think I said, you know, give him a deal that's three, four million this year because you don't know if he can stay healthy with a big option or a bunch of incentives where it can kind of escalate. But how does that work with the salary cap? If you don't know if he's going to get paid that money or not, there's stuff like that. So uh, I, I want to talk to you all about that. Uh, sorry, this episode ran a little longer than usual. Sorry if you use it for like a very exact commute um but i will see you all tomorrow you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl the show is on twitter at locked on vikings see y'all tomorrow and as always skull